Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Turn your Bibles to Luke 22. Luke 22, we'll pick up in verse 31. I believe this morning if you came and maybe you've been having a rough time during this pandemic, this message is for you. Maybe you've been having a difficult time just in life in general, this message is for you. Maybe if you're just a believer and you haven't been having a difficult time, this message is for you. This message is for you, this message is for me as we look at Peter's power problems. Anybody in here figured out that uh, not every day goes as planned? That every once in a while you have something that you didn't see coming that somehow is different than what you had envisioned or planned? This message is for you, and I pray you're encouraged. Next Sunday we begin our march towards Easter with four windows to Easter, and really this kind of sets the stage for it. Because in the midst of all that's going on in our world and in our lives individually, there is still a gracious God who has all things under control. And in spite of our own failings, our own faults, our own weaknesses, God still has everything under control. Church, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you have all things under control. That in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our problems, in spite of our failings, Lord, the times when we want to do better than we do and we don't, that you are still good and you still love us and your grace abounds towards us, Lord. So we ask that you would help us in our weaknesses. Lord, encourage us, strengthen us, Lord, as a church today. Make your name great amongst the nations through this church. Lord, we we lean on you, Jesus, today for all that we have need of. We ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. You see, most of the time, probably you can identify, I don't know if you can identify with Peter. Peter's my favorite character of all the disciples because Peter had tremendous zeal It was the implementation of the things that he wanted to do where he struggled. Amen? Now, we're in the midst of basketball season, just started the second half. And, and, you know, sometimes you have those clunker games to where that superstar that you normally watch drain threes all of a sudden is shooting bricks. Amen? It's the same person. It's the same superstar. It's the same person that normally scores 27 or 30 a game. It's the same person that you could normally count on to drain that three to hit nothing but net, but all of a sudden, it's air balls. It happens. It happens. It happens in basketball. Professional quarterbacks still throw interceptions, amen? Cody Bellinger still strikes out, amen? 
You get what I'm saying? I'm using some sports and we're finally getting back. We're kind of seeing some of these things on a regular basis. It's like, oh, it's so good. But the truth of the matter is, much like in sports, life doesn't always go as planned. Nobody sets out to have a bad game. People still practice. They want to do well. But nonetheless, for a variety of reasons, we all occasionally have clunker games. Seems like no matter what we do, can't get the shot off. We find that in Peter's life today. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Now, I want you to understand something. Simon had a name change, amen? Wasn't his name changed to Petros, Peter? Little rock? Why would Jesus now, as he's facing the cross, go back to calling brave, bold, powerful Peter, why would he call him Simon all of a sudden? Because he's going to act like Simon. He's going to pull a Simon. He's going to go back. It's like, man, you didn't shoot like that when you were in high school. He's going he's to take a little trip down memory lane to what he used to be. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Church, Satan is asking for you to sift you as well. He hates the work of the Lord in your life. He hates what you're doing in the Lord. He can't stand that your marriage is better than it ever has been. He hates the fact that you're a better employee. He hates the fact that you're doing better in school. He hates the fact that you are no longer that person you used to be. Satan hates that stuff. And he desires to sift you also as wheat. To put you through the sieve. But I have prayed for you. Anybody in here glad that Jesus is praying for you? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus himself is in heaven interceding for you. Now you may find that hard to believe with all the billions of people on the planet. But in the infinite mind of God, the infinite ability of God, Jesus is also interceding for you. I have prayed for you. And I want you to notice this. This is one of those verses you should have heavily highlighted and underlined. That your faith should not fail. That is accurately rendered from the original language. That is a form of a questioning thought. In other words, it's not inevitable, but it is possible that your faith might fail. In other words, the should not indicates the possibility. But the failing sometimes is the reality. In Christ, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? But sometimes we don't do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Not because of him, because of us. Because of our weaknesses. Our sin. We, we've gone out and practiced, but 
It's a clunker game. And when you have returned to me, that gives you a really strong indication that Peter not only can fail, will fail. Jesus is saying, you're going to fail, but when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, I realize that for some of you who believe in sinless perfection, this is a hard passage to read. Because if you think that once you give your life to Jesus, that's the end of your sinning ways, the reality is probably not. The possibility is you absolutely could live the rest of your life without ever sinning again. The reality is probably not going to happen. Why? Because you're flesh. You have some weaknesses, you have some blind spots. The kingdom is not yet fully realized on this earth. And every once in a while, you do exactly what Paul said in Romans 7, those, those things which you will not to do, those very things you do do. Your flesh shows up. Your shot's a little off. But he said to him, and I love this, This is why I love Peter. Lord, I'm ready to go with you. Both to prison and to death. There is the zeal of this incredible apostle. I can't wait to meet Peter in heaven. I really can't. It's like, what was it like to experience the grace of God in such a deep way Because you know that he wills to do well, exactly as Paul said in Romans 7. It's like, Lord, I'm going to go to prison with you, and I'm going to die with you, and whatever you do, that's what I'm going to do. You can see it. But that's not exactly what happens, is it? Notice how Jesus ministers to Peter in this moment. And then he said... Back to his original name, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Does that boggle your mind? Does that show you exactly? Now, remember who this is. This is an apostle. Looking forward in time, Peter, not wanting to be crucified in the manner of his Lord, ultimately will be crucified upside down. Great faith, but he's about to fall flat on his face. He wants to do good, but not quite the way he thought it was going to go. Something strange is kind of in the air. And I want you to think on this with me for a moment. You've got the deceiver at work. Judas is out and about by now, right? He's left the table. He's out gathering a Roman cohort. He's picked up the soldiers. He's gone back to Annas and Caiaphas. 
And we're going to pick up the story next Sunday in the garden. That is our Palm Sunday message. But here's Peter. Right before they get to the garden. Oh, no way, Lord. I am super apostle. He's got pulled Zach's shirt. He's got a big S.A. on the front of it. Pulls out the guns. Guns out, sons out, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? He's like, he's like, he's going to throw down right now. It's like, ain't happening. You're not going to be touched. And Jesus looks at him and basically says, Peter, I know you mean well. But you're not quite as strong as you think. You're not quite where you think you are. Matter of fact, you're going to do exactly what you're telling me you're not going to do. Peter, almost you can imagine he's, he's nearly startled, I would think. At least that's, that's the way I would have looked at it. It's like, Really? Here's Peter going, man, bring on the full court man-to-man press. We're going to break this. It's no problem. Not so much. Gives up the ball. The first defender comes. Turns it over. Dunk on the other end. Note the word you. You. You, Peter. It's actually plural in the original language. It means you all. So Jesus, in that sense, wasn't just talking to Peter. He's talking to the rest of the disciples. He's saying, you all are going to fail. And they did. That's why Peter would write later, after he figures out all these things, it's game on. Switching sports, it's a, it's, a, it's a blitz. It's up the gut. The whole defense is coming right up the middle. Satan was after all the disciples. Because if he could kill off the disciples, there's no church in Africa. And by the way, we're digging wells for six different churches in Liberia right now. Five different communities in Nicaragua. We're building an orphanage in Colombia. You see, Satan wants to kill that work. He doesn't want the gospel going forth. You know, when those people come to those wells and they start pumping fresh water for the first time in their entire life, instead of dipping water out of the river and trying to filter it through successive pans to get most of the junk out of it. It's a pretty good opportunity to tell them about Jesus. You think you might be able to tie in a little message about living water with that real water? You see, the devil doesn't want that happening. The devil doesn't want you happening. 
He wants to threaten you. The game truly is on. That's why we are to be, as Peter would say, sober, vigilant. There in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 11. Be sober, be sober-minded. Not stoic, not dead, sober. It's a sobering experience to think that we, as God's kids, are also God's messengers. God's hands, God's feet, God's voice, God's pocketbook, God's grocery store, God's people are all these things. This is why it's so important that the church recognize that we are in a war. And it's not a war that pits political parties against one another. It is light and darkness, church. It's good and evil. It's right and wrong. It's truth and lie. And Peter was just thinking he could just kind of skate those issues. Well, you know, it's just going to kind of be tough. No, it's a war. Again, the Apostle Paul, really from Romans chapter 5 all the way to the end of chapter 8, is giving this incredible picture of who we are. And you would expect, because Peter is one of the lead apostles, one could say the lead, Peter, James, and John, surely the top three, he's going to get shot at a little more. Just like the leaders of every church. We go through stuff that the average person probably doesn't go through. Why? Because if he can take us out, take me out, take the pastors of the church out, how many people go with us? That's why when the church has a failure in leadership, it does so much damage, it's beyond just the lives of the people involved in that scandal. It's the damage that's done to the church. And so here we have Peter getting sized up. Look, let's be clear. Everyone gets whacked. Everyone gets smacked. Everyone gets attacked. Amen? Whack, smacked, attacked. Just remember that. That's, that's who you are while you're here on this earth. You're going to get whacked, smacked, and attacked. You're not going to escape it. It's going to happen. The question is, what are you going to do when it happens? What's going to happen in your life when those challenges come your way? Because they're going to come your way. Ultimately, and I love this, Peter's going to flip this whole thing on its head by the time we get to the book of Acts. He's going to preach some of the most amazing sermons. If you read through Acts chapters 1 through 4 and you see this same guy that is going to deny the Lord three times, you see this same guy just boldly standing up and looking at his fellow Jews and saying, you whom crucified the Christ, repent and be saved. And thousands give their lives to the Lord. But the same guy is going to go to a campfire and hang out with a little girl 
and he's going to cuss that he does not know Jesus. Isn't that the story of our lives at times? There's boldness, there's victory, there's power, there's authority, and then there's the little servant girl that just somehow gets underneath our skin. There's a similar story in 1 Kings chapter 19. Here's this great prophet, Elijah, right? You all know his story. It's like the prophets of Baal. Ah, great is the God Baal. It's like we rule. There's 850 of them. And here's Elijah by himself. Okay, you go ahead and light your altar on fire. Watch this. I'm going to pour water on mine. And I'm just going to call down fire from heaven. And poof. Then he slays the prophets of Baal. You know what happens the next day? Elijah's suicidal. He's running from Jezebel. He's just bumped off the prophets of Baal and started an altar on fire by calling fire from heaven. It's like, oh, she's going to get me. <laughs> this is us, church. Don't forget that while we're redeemed, we're still in bodies of flesh. We still have minds made out of meat. That may bother some of you, but your brain is made out of flesh. Sometimes that flesh is going, oh, servant girl. Ah. Game's on. Notice the Lord's answer. I have prayed for you that your faith not fail, and when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Notice what Jesus doesn't pray. I've prayed for you so that nothing bad will happen to you. I've prayed for you so that you will never taste defeat. I, I have prayed for you so that you'll get nothing but good things in life. I've prayed that you will be healthy, wealthy, wise, and never touched ever again. Notice it does not say that. Because that is not the reality of the Christian life. It's not what's going to be your experience. And so if you come from a background of prosperity doctrine, I, I hate to shake up your world, but in this world you're going to have tribulation. But you can also rejoice that he has overcome this world. And one day you will escape all those things, but not while you're here. And so Jesus prays for more faith. Not faith to get out of the temptation, not protection from the temptation, but protection in the middle of the temptation. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the anguish, Peter, I'm praying for more faith. Church, we have to recognize this. Peter is going to fall. But only so far, and definitely not from the grace of the Lord. He's going to stumble. He's going he's to he's break a toe. 
He's going to have a difficult time. Their beloved friend, their master, is going to be dead in 24 hours. He's going to be dead. You think that might have shaken their faith a little bit? I can tell you it shook their faith because actually only one of the apostles even goes to the cross. That's John. The rest of them fled, including Peter. They ran away. They headed for the hills. They were scared. This is up close and personal for us, isn't it? It is for me. Because my faith gets challenged fairly regularly. This last year, I've, I've read so many articles on the challenge that pastors have faced during this pandemic just to even keep going. It's like, doesn't matter what decision you make about mask, no mask, in person, out of person, online, whatever it is, you can count on getting criticized. I have had things said to me in the midst of this pandemic that it's like, did you really just say that? Honestly, before I met Jesus, that would have been me coming to your house. We'd have to have a talk in your front yard. Sorry, not going to go down that. You don't get to say those kind of things to me. Why? Because it attacked my flesh. It's like, well, why don't you come over here and try leading in this mess? Pastors still have flesh too, you know. Any pastor that tells you he doesn't, you shouldn't go to that church. Seriously. Run. Your pastor tells you he's perfect, run. Head out. Go someplace, go fishing. Sure, the disciples. You see, what we have going on here is, is Peter addresses the Lord before he stops to think about the implications of what his faith is going to do. He's reacting in his flesh a little bit. He's going, I'm strong, I'm powerful. No, Peter, you haven't been through this fight ever. And it's going to be a whole lot worse than you think it is. And so instead of seeking the faith that Jesus prayed for, Peter thought he was already there. There's the lesson for you. Do not ever think you are already where you need to be in the Lord. You should be hungry for the things of God, very especially for the things of faith, and very specifically for the provisions of faith, the things that only faith can do in your life. Why is that important? Because Peter's got a sword. Peter's got strength. Peter had boldness. Peter had words that he could use. Peter had the weapons of flesh. But what Peter didn't have was sufficient weapons in the spirit. He had begun to rely on his flesh. 
I'm tough enough. I'm ready. Church, if I could just share something with you, we're never ready. I don't think anybody I've ever met that's walked with the Lord for a substantial length of time would ever look you in the eye and go, I have everything I need to get through the rest of my life in the Lord. We wouldn't be encouraged to take up the whole armor of God if we didn't need the whole armor of God, amen? We wouldn't be encouraged to take up more faith unless we needed more faith, amen? This is a powerful lesson for us today that should be a tremendous encouragement to us. Because this isn't the end of Peter's life story. You see, for us, we'd look at this, oh, the dude's a failure. He's, he's going to get traded. His trade deadline's coming up for basketball. Peter's off the team. It's like, the dude, dude, you shot bricks in the championship game. It's over. You're out. Right? You see, that's the human look. And Jesus is over there. Peter, we got this. We're going to go back in the gym after this game. We're going to work on your shot. It's going to be okay. Praise the Lord. He doesn't give up on us. We give up on each other, but Jesus doesn't give up on us. That's grace, church. That's grace. Now, I want you to see this different dispensation that Jesus begins to speak of. Verse 35, and he said to them, When I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandal, did you lack anything? That's Jesus asking a question. And so they said, there's the they, there's the y'all, nothing, Lord. And then he said to them, but now, here's the change. When we use the term dispensation, it simply means economy. The currency whereby God moves and works in this life in a relationship with him. That's the easiest way to understand that word. The dispensation of the law, God worked by very stringent standards that required the death of the transgressor. Amen? That's what happened. Transgress the law, you die. Jesus is about to turn that on its head. And instead, the innocent is going to die for the guilty. That is a complete reversal. Instead of the guilty dying for their own sin, the innocent is going to die for the guilty. And so he said, now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Look, you, you, you may need a sword. You may need police forces. You may need an army. You may need protection for your own home. The world's a rough place. It's going to go on for a while. The kingdom isn't actually going to fully appear just yet. So there are some things that you may need while you're still here on this earth. For I say to you, that which is written must still be accomplished in me. In other words, we're not all the way there yet. And then he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. As Isaiah 53 plainly says, he was numbered with the transgressors. Where does Jesus hang? With two thieves. 
for the things concerning me have an end. David the prophet actually saw that end, by the way. He actually wrote it down and said, death in Psalm 16, Sheol could not hold him. The grave would not hold Messiah. He furthermore told us exactly what Jesus would say from the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then Jesus would tie all this together when he said, to tell us that it is finished. It's done. That which the prophet said is now complete. They have an end. And so they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, that's enough. What are we to take from this? Well, what we take from this is that change is definitely in the air. Change was going to come this way. The economy of the law was about to become the economy of grace. You paying for your own sin was about to disappear in the blood of the risen Lord. He would pay the price that you couldn't pay for yourself so that you could have what you couldn't obtain yourself. You see, all of your dying, if you had drained out every ounce of your own blood, you would have still fallen short of the glory of God. And so Jesus gives to you by grace and through faith that which you cannot otherwise have. That which the law could not produce. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that the law actually produced death in me. Why? Because I realized exactly how impossible it is to keep the whole of the law. And I've shared with you, church, so many times, just take the Ten Commandments and try and keep the Ten Commandments fully. There's not a person in this room that's making it to the end of next week keeping the Ten Commandments. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to drive by, you're going to see something on a billboard, and your little brain's going to go, oh, i got to I want that. Thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife nor thy neighbor's goods. That's the Decalogue. That's the first 10. Then add in the rest of the 613 points of the Jewish law, and you are all toast. Okay, And so am I, by the way. Let's make sure we're really clear on this. I go to keep all of the law. I'm not going to get there. It's not possible. And so Jesus says, we're going to switch economies. The currency of the law was actually your death. The currency of grace is his death in your place. That's a pretty major shift, is it not? You see, back in the time of the, of the conquest, imagine Joshua and Caleb. What were they doing? They're going through the land, bumping off anybody that gets in their way, right? That's why we call it the land of conquest. 
What happened? They, they come out of the wilderness and they get to the border of the promised land at Kadesh Barnea. And they look in and they see all these warring tribes. And the ten spies come back. Oh, we're not going in there. Joshua and Caleb say, let's get some swords and go kill them. Because God wants us to live righteously. You know what happened for the next thousand years? Failure after failure after failure after failure. Good king followed by bad king. Victory followed by defeat. On and on and on and on and on. And foreign gods and intermarrying. And before you know it, you've got two temples. One at Mount Gerizim with the Samaritans and one in Jerusalem. You can go see the remnants. You can go to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. You can go to the remnants of the temple on Mount Gerizim as well. They couldn't even figure out where to build the temple. So Israel, the northern kingdom, has their own. God says, look, it's time for change. We're going to do this differently from here on out. You see, the law wasn't replaced as a moral standard. The law still stands as that moral standard. But it no longer requires your death. We have a different kind of war, and that war is spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual. They're not carnal, but they are mighty unto the tearing down of the strongholds of the wicked one. Amen? Different kind of war. Different day. Different world. Until Christ returns, until we're fully in that kingdom state, we're going to be just like Peter. Hopefully we're going to have mostly great games. Amen? That's what, that's, what you're, that's what you're shooting for. You want to win a championship, amen? You want to go out and you want to play well. Chances are you're going to shoot some bricks. You're going to miss point-blank layups. The ball's going to slip out of your hands. It's going to go out of bounds. The other team's going to get it, and they're going to dunk on you. You're going to be posterized. That's the reality. That's why Paul would write that if indeed we have heard of the dispensation of grace, the grace of God, which has been given to you and to me, it's been given to us as a gift. It is a grace gift. It comes to us by believing faith. Everything changed that day. The death of the guilty was no longer required. Anybody thankful for that part? Oh, amen, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus. Amen? That's where we were. Under the law, you have to die. Because you're a sinner, and sin can't dwell in the presence of a holy God. You're done. But by grace, the death of the guiltless in our place. That's why Jesus says, he, who? Him, the Messiah. The lamb hung between two thieves, though he himself was guiltless, 
He died for my sin. That's the Easter story, church. That's where we're going. That's great, all these things that Jesus said. Look, keep a knapsack, have some cash, get a sword if you need one. If you think that that's important for your life, of course, there's nothing wrong with those things. But he himself would be numbered with the transgressors so you wouldn't have to be. Your number got taken out of the number of transgressors by his grace. Imagine here's this list, and you just go down it, guilty, 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 guilty. And Jesus says, by grace, put that name in the Lamb's Book of Life. By grace, put that name in the Lamb's Book of Life. By grace, put that name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Church, that's who we are. We're God's kids by grace. Praise God, we can do wonderful things. But praise God, there's grace for our failures, our denials, our moments of weakness, which we're not predetermined to have, but when we have them, there's grace in the moment. The full wrath of God was placed on Christ the Son so that you won't taste it. You won't ever have to worry about it. And so for us today, there may be some physical battles that we have to fight. But praise God, the real battle, the battle for your soul, the battle for your spirit, the battle for eternal life was won at the cross. And when you said yes to that gift of grace, You put yourself in the winning army. The the ones that will return with Jesus instead of have to fight against him. So as you think of your own life, the devil was after Peter. Pretty good chance he's going to be after you too. Maybe not as much as he was after Peter, or maybe not as much as he is after me and my family. Maybe more. Maybe in you is some potential that God sees, that perhaps the enemy knows about, and he's going to come after you. Greater is he who's in you than he who is in this world. Amen? Amen? Peter just needed a little more faith. Uh, For me, I need a little more faith. Sometimes I need a lot more faith. Peter was weak. Sometimes I'm weak. The answer to my weakness is the same thing that was the answer to Peter's weakness, and that is more faith. That's why Jesus prayed that for him. Not more strength in his arms, not more strength in his mind, not more money in his bank account, not more swords, more faith. Church, what we need is more faith. If we get more faith, nothing can stop us. So let's pray for that. And let's live that way. The good news is Peter's going to be restored, amen?
We're going to see some pretty tough things with Peter throughout the resurrection story. Throughout Easter week, Peter's kind of like, oh man. But there's a great story at the end of Peter's story. And I praise God for that story. Because it's hope for us. Amen? Would you stand and we'll close in prayer? Amen. If you're here today, and you've been trying to do it your own way, and you're just tired, you're tired of fighting with your arms, and you want to fight with faith, today is a day when you just need to simply give up and say, I'm done fighting with the wrong weapons. I, I can't see your hearts, but God can. And so there's probably some of you that need to do some business with the Lord today. And so I'm going to ask you, as we bow our heads to pray and close the service, if that's you, you need more faith in your life, I want you to stick your hand up, and we're going to pray together for more faith, because I'm going to put mine up first, because I need more faith. This world is a mess, and I need more faith. And so let's ask the Lord, if you don't know the Lord and you want to receive the Lord, all you got to do is invite him in. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner and I'm inviting you in right now into my life. Save me, forgive my sin, write my name in that book of life. Father, we who have our hands raised and all of us together in this place admit that at times we are so weak in our faith. Lord, we're so quick to turn to the arm of flesh. We've tried every program. We've done everything. We've sealed ourselves against some of the things of this world, but it hasn't provided the protection we thought it would. And so, Lord, we're crying out to you in Jesus' name. Give us more faith. Help us to stand in the day of battle. Lord, give us those weapons of our warfare. Lord, that shield that is over all, we need it. And so we're asking for it. And we're praying for those that right now don't know you, Lord. Maybe they're watching online, perhaps here in the building today. Lord, they've never invited you to come into their life, that you would sup with them. Lord, that they would just invite you right now to be your Savior, to be Lord. And so, God, we thank you for the faith that you're going to give us, and we pray that we'd use it. Lord, it wouldn't be faith in a bucket. It would be faith to go out and battle. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for answering our prayers. We know you will. And so help us to walk in newness of faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.